0: The schools of music, Department of Music, all of those uh, institutions that are, you know, devoted to, quote unquote, the study, advocacy, and performance of music. You know, that's their title, that's what they claim to do, that's what they say on brochures, etc., etc. But over the years, in my experience, and through the different articles I've read, I'm not the only person who feels this way, we can kind of come to the conclusion that... These schools of music are specifically devoted to the study, advocacy, and performance of Western European art music. Hey! I'm Jane, and you're listening to Pecan Twist. In this podcast, I'm going to be spilling all the interesting experience that I've had growing up half Indian, half Chinese. We'll discuss everything from identity, childhood, the Asian community, and so much more. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get started on today's episode. Hi, guys. I hope that you all are doing really well. Um I am pretty excited slash nervous to make this episode. It's a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a long time, but I was never really sure how to approach it or where to start. Um or why, you know, the issue that I'm gonna speak about even exists in the musical community. Um, but a lot of recent events have kind of given me the insight and the means to make sense of all of the of all of the trends that I've noticed over the years. Being a music student, being a participant in both many different genres of music, um, I've been able to kind of. I guess take a step back and view everything in an objective way but you know as objective as you can be as a human we'll always have biases so I just wanted to talk about that and touch on the things that I've thought about. Before I start the episode I want to give a huge thank you to uh, a few of the a few sources that have synthesized a lot of information for me so that I could just pull useful things for today's episode and kind of organize my thoughts as best as I can. So the first article that I really want to draw your attention to is called The Possessive Investment in Classical Music and it was written by Lauren Kajikawa sorry if the pronunciation is wrong. I will link this article um so that you guys can read it i highly recommend that you read it if you're not interested that's okay but i highly it's such a good article so many great insights a lot of some of the stuff that i pulled is straight from the article like some of my notes have direct quotes and then the next person that i like to thank is actually a professor at my university his name is dr dwight andrews And I recently attended a seminar about the role of religion and spirituality in jazz that I thought was so interesting. And I took a lot of information that he talked about in his uh, presentation and I put it, kind of again, synthesized it into to help me with what I want to talk to you guys about today. So with that being said, um, today I want to discuss a topic that is very close to my heart, uh, very important, and I think it deserves more attention than it gets from people in and outside of the musical community, and that is this kind of underlying anti-jazz sentiment in the classical community, and when I first kind of knew that I wanted to make an episode about it, I didn't exactly realize the extent of the issue Um, I just kind of thought that, oh, they don't like jazz, that's that. But as I started to do more research and read articles and talk to my classmates about their thoughts and my fellow jazz majors about what they thought and then talk to classical musicians, I was shocked to find that this is just kind of an open drawer into... A shelf full of problems. Oh my god, that was kind of good. Anyways, (laughs) so I. This was also sparked by a conversation with one of my friends who was in my music theory class. Full disclaimer, yes, I am a jazz major, so that obviously, I'm sure, affected my opinions on this, so, but it also gives me a very good scope to be able to talk about this issue because I've been on both sides. I've been in classical music ensembles, I've played the clarinet in traditional symphony orchestras, bands, and then I've also played the keyboard in jazz, and I just want to talk about that and the experiences in that, so... Kind of the first introduction, I guess, or the first thing I want to talk about is the schools of music, you know, at universities around the globe. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about America, but the schools of music, Department of Music, all of those uh, institutions that are taught, that are, you know, devoted to, quote unquote, the study, advocacy, and performance of music. You know, that's their title, that's what they claim to do, that's what they say on brochures, etc., etc. But over the years, in my experience, and through the different articles I've read, I'm not the only person who feels this way, we can kind of come to the conclusion that these schools of music are specifically devoted to the study, advocacy, and performance of, quote, Western European art music. So... A question that was raised is, well, are they simply calling it under the guise, under this huge umbrella of music, like, oh, we teach all types of music, but in reality, most, if not all, classical music schools, or music schools in general, music conservatories, focus on white, male, Western European composers, and pieces written by people, composers of the categories that I just listed. So the schools that you can talk about are essentially, quote-unquote, built on this culture of exclusion. And I'm going to get more into that later. Um, So just bear with me on this. And we can talk about how just like, you know, all... pretty much a lot of universities today, especially the prestigious ones, were built to be attended by white males. And so you can think of it as, of course, the musical institutions under those universities will also kind of be built on those same beliefs that white males should learn there, so white males should, you know, we should be taught the music of the Anglo-Saxon elites that they want that they believed is the the best most you know elite type of music which in as we can see as we study now is western european art music and we can also think about the fact that the european those elites essentially believed that This type of European art music possessed qualities that, quote, separate it from the music of darker skinned lower class Americans. And so I personally feel like classical music, especially today, is kind of defining itself. One of its defining features is that it's kind of holding itself against this idea of popular entertainment, right? So when you hear someone who's a classical connoisseur, they're like, oh, I only listen to classical, it's it's not pop, you know, it's not popular. And so you can think about how already there's kind of this clash between what's thought of as traditional music that is studied in music school, which is the typical classical music that we all think of, you know, by... The composers like Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, etc., etc. And then these two kind of concepts of whiteness and classical music were essentially reinforcing each other in these institutions of higher learning. And another way that you can, maybe you're not convinced, maybe you're like, oh, I don't know, it seems like a little bit of a stretch, like, how does classical music equate to white supremacy like how do those things go hand in hand well you can think about in the early days way before the slaves were freed being able to partake in classical music was a luxury that was not afforded to in America that was not afforded to pretty much anyone who was not white to whether it was to take part as in, be in the ensemble or just be a patron. You, that meant that you had forms of property that were once reserved for only white people. This includes having musical instruments that were quite expensive, being able to partake and afford music lessons, having concert subscriptions, etc. Classical music was a display of privilege, and it reinforced the concept of white belonging. A really interesting and thought-provoking article that... Um, well, it was an editorial that was originally published in the New Orleans times Pician. Pe- Sorry, I can't pronounce words. It, I think this is French. But it was actually kind of, it was interesting because the article itself was writing about, it was discouraging forms of jazz and listening to jazz, partaking in jazz. And this editorial describes jazz as, quote, the basement hall of rhythm, where one can hear the hum of the Indian dance, the throb of the oriental tambourines, and kettle drums, the clatter of the clogs, the click of the Slavic heels, the thumpty-tumpty of the N-word banjo, and in fact, the native dances of the world, End quote. And it's interesting how reading through the quote and each kind of aspect of music that they're associating with a different culture, this is almost in itself, presenting music as a hierarchy. Um, First, they start at the bottom, which is, like, the Indian dance, and the, um, instead of the N-word, I'm going to say black. And then they have the click of the Slavic heels. And so I think, to me, this is showing the beauty of jazz, but this in the editorial, in context of the editorial, was actually used to discourage and almost condemn jazz. So that's another example of uh, how classical music can kind of be linked to white supremacy. I don't think the music itself is, although I will get into that later and talk about my personal opinions as a jazz major and person of color, Um, but I don't think itself, but I think that the way it's institutionalized and taught today is linked to this idea of being colorblind, which is inherently racist. So the next thing that we have that I wanted to talk about is we should also note that classical music has even been used to invoke and reinforce ideas of white supremacy. An example of this is the Rhapsody Negre. Um, it was composed, I believe, I'm not sure the year, I want to say around 1918, but that could be wrong, and it was composed by Powell, the composer. And he said himself that that piece was an attempt to portray black characteristics and their, quote, fundamental lack of impulse control, end quote. So literally, this is, you know, this is obviously one example out of many, but this is just reinforcing the fact that, yes, at one point, classical music was used to represent the wealth and superior nature of being white. And I think in terms of society today and how we view music, all the time we hear, especially as music majors, like there's this dismissal of rap music today as being less than, being crude, vulgar, not even music. You know, while it can be crude, obviously, in my opinion, I think that crude is... Kind of a relative term. I think something that's crude to one person can be perfectly acceptable to another. But the dismissal of rap music in general as kind of being this primitive, less than version of music actually echoes the anti jazz sentiment around the 20th century. There was a lot of backlash surrounding jazz, and I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. So now I'm kind of going to get into my experiences and talk about that a little bit, and then I'll go back to speaking about jazz and religion and how that is kind of also played into this whole... Just the fact that a lot of white supremacist ideals have been institutionalized into our musical systems. So I think... That the ideas, our personal ideas of consonance and dissonance are introduced by our upbringing. So, you know, I don't personally believe that we were born knowing what sounded good and what didn't. That was all affected by how we grew up, what kind of music we grew up listening to. And that's part of the beauty of being human is that your upbringing can shape... Your preferences, and so the presentation of jazz as uh, the presentation of jazz as being this ugly, um, disgusting to hear, super dissonant, not musical genre is actually a lot of it is rooted in anti-black sentiment, and then there's also religious bias as well. Um, there's this kind of idea that if we think about a church hymn or a a piece that we hear sung by a choir they're usually very consonant um i'm talking about in white churches and if we hear those if you grow up hearing those you can consider that to be the norm that is what's beautiful but the yeah, I'm just gonna move on from that. So, I guess you could also say that, oh, I just don't like how jazz sounds. Um, I think it's, you know, I think the dissonance is too much. Like, it's so hard to unpack. It just doesn't make sense. It's not hard to do. Um, well, I would ask, you know, why? Why do you not like it? Why do you think it sounds ugly? Um, I guess maybe a little bit would be stemmed from nature. I honestly would argue that it's not, but even if you did say that, almost all of our likes and dislikes are from exposure as a child. So it could be that when someone was exposed to jazz, it was always in a negative light. Just the idea of, I think, putting down another form of music. Even the idea that you can put down another form of music and it be okay even be acceptable and somewhat normalized in conservatories is totally worrisome to me and again rooted in racist and um, in my opinion completely unacceptable sentiments regarding race and classism. So this idea that the structures that privilege The music of, like, white Europeans and Americans still exists, even though, if you think about it, a lot of this, like, racial and ethnic representation is actually used to promote universities and any institution of higher learning. You know, there's kind of this interesting uh, contrast in that, oh, well, we have, you know, you'll present yourself as... Universities will present themselves as being this diverse melting pot that anyone with any musical interests can come and explore those. But in reality, when you are a music major, you're primarily, in your theory classes, in your oral skills classes, in your music history classes, you're primarily focusing on European white composers, Western European even, and really not anything else. I'm just going to be honest. I'm even drawing from my own experiences in this. And the. I think in general, the music of black Americans has kind of been lumped into this non-serious, popular music, on the side category. And I would say probably the only somewhat exception to this would be jazz, which has been kind of now, in today's age, accepted and revered as this kind of quote-unquote American classical music, this contribution of America to the world. But other than that, I would say a lot of other music that has been stemmed from the black community is pushed aside as being this not illegitimate form of music. So now you've heard me sit talk about all these issues and my opinion on it as a music major and I'm definitely not the only person who's felt this way. I know for a fact that there are people in my music class and people in the jazz department who have felt ignored or dismissed by the larger population of the classical music department. I think my university is actually doing an excellent job incorporating jazz, but there are still those few stragglers who don't want to accept it as being a legitimate genre or being something of importance, and I've definitely seen this firsthand. yep, even this year, this semester, um, and I think we've kind of just, as a jazz community, we've learned to just roll with the punches a little bit, and kind of take it as it is, take it in stride, but I think now that I've discussed this, and that it's out there, um, I think the next question that we should be asking ourselves is, okay, well, now that I know about this issue, and institutions that are possibly even unknowingly pushing this idea, this underlying idea, this underlying sentiment of white supremacy, what can I do about it? How can I help? Um, and I think I don't have all the answers, first of all. (laughs) I'm a child, basically, I'm in college, but I feel like, I don't feel like an adult. I just don't really know but I do have some ideas and I think if we talk about this issue more and it becomes it comes into the spotlight more I think more and more people would be willing to take extra steps to decrease this gap at least um but my ideas and ideas that I've heard from other people are first of all we need to highlight Women and composers of color. So female composers, composers of color, um, they just need to be highlighted more. I think there's this glorification of a lot of white male composers that just doesn't exist for really any female composers. And even if it is a female composer, she. a lot of the very famous female composers have associations with male composers which is unfortunate but that's how it is in the community and I think we need to put extra effort into purposely identifying and singling out the these composers from marginalized groups and then pushing them onto the public and normalizing that slowly but surely there's I mean, I could see there being a little bit of backlash, but hopefully not. I hope that we're at least progressive enough to do that. And then the next idea that we should probably do more of is incorporating history into the musical studies and then acknowledging the divide. I think so much of the issue comes from the fact that we don't want to acknowledge that a lot of the institution that we know and love, a lot of this musical conservatory style, and a lot of the way that topics are taught is rooted in white supremacy, especially in the music department. I can't even think of the last time we spotlighted a jazz piece in my music theory class. I don't think we ever have. And the closest thing we've ever done to jazz in my theory oral skills class is probably identifying seventh chords and swinging a rhythm, swinging like three rhythms, which half the class couldn't even do. So I just think that if we bring it to the table more, if we talk about it more and facilitate the conversation, we will be so much better off and more unified as a community because the way that it stands right now I think there are a lot of groups, not a lot, some groups who feel left out and marginalized by this kind of culture that we've painted about around classical music, and kind of not even recognizing the world music or music of minorities. Okay. Okay. That is all for today's episode. It was a lot. It was something that has been on my mind and I wanted to talk about it for a really long time. So I'm so glad that I finally got to do it. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Don't forget to check out the resources that I talk about if you're interested in learning more. And um, yeah, you guys are the best. I'm so thankful for this outlet that I even get to talk about issues that are important to me and yeah. I love you guys and I will see you in the next episode. Bye! Hey! This is the end of today's episode. I'd like to give a thank you to my parents for supporting me in this somewhat ridiculous endeavor and for teaching me that every voice matters. And thank you so much for listening to this somewhat shitty podcast. You guys are the best, and I'll see you next time.